Hello, I'm Heather Hilda Darling on Let's Talk Property. The show is sponsored by Callaway's Estate Agents and we're on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM and DAB. Now, I'm really excited about today's show because I'm talking to a young man who seems to have a great job that lots of boys would love to do or even grown people playing around with drones. And obviously, (laughs) I have a son of my own mid-30s and he started his drone life several years ago when he was filming water sports and loved loved it. And I used to think, what's all this about? You know, a, a little machine going up in the air and suddenly the machines got bigger and bigger. And then when I was having my extension built a couple of years ago, I said to him, Neil, you couldn't just send your drone through the through the construction, could you? So I can have a look from an aerial perspective. And that's what he did. So I think today is going to be fascinating. So I have with me in the studio today, Alex O'Connor of Sussex Drone Surveys. So I suppose, Alex, this is a come fly with me welcome. I guess so. so. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful to have you here. Um, Thank you. Obviously, I'd like to hear a little bit about your background. Sussex Drone Surveys, that sort of tells me that you're uh, active in Sussex, that you do something with drones, and that something is surveys. So let's start with just hearing a little bit about your background. So, uh, yeah, uh, Alex O'Connor, Sussex Drone Surveys. Um, my background um, is primarily in leasehold block management. So um, uh, I started my career in, in Nottingham about 12 years ago um, and sort of started sort of looking after essentially sort of blocks of flats and the, the communal areas around them. Um, I've been in that sort of, yeah, 12 years um, and managed to sort of work my way through the ranks and, and sort of most recently have been uh, managing a, a, a large portfolio, a team of people um, on a national portfolio and recently sort of set up the drone survey aspect or business, um, left that old sort of career and decided to go out on my own and, and make a bit of a leap and, and jump into something new, really. Was that scary? Uh, yes, very scary. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, sort of twelve years of, of sort of, I suppose, structure or and ma- mainly structure and, and a monthly income and and uh, a young family, and then just to sort of say, do you know what? I think I think there might be a little bit more to this. I think I'm getting to the age where I need to. I want to do something. It's I don't want to be sort of too old, and I feel like I'm old enough and. And just jump into something a little bit different. But yeah, it is it is pretty scary. It's it's very new and a steep learning curve. And any hiccups so far that you would never have expected? Um, not so far. Um, I've only really been doing it for probably about sort of three months. Um, so not not too long. But um I think it's just sort of what I found recently is just trying to to deal with all the all the different aspects, whether it's setting up a, a company on company's house, um, and then you know a, a business bank account, it's all those sort of like little kind of admin stuff that 
there's lots of YouTube videos and things to sort of help you and tell you how to do it, but you're never really sure when you're just sort of do it, expose what's what's the worst that can happen, really. But yeah, it hasn't, um, it, it's, it's been good. It's just a, sort of quite a steep learning curve, that's all. So this is actually post-lockdown. You didn't set up pre-lockdown with your business? No, I didn't. So sort of the drone side of things is kind of came about with, with uh, I had the, the leasehold block management and a sort of a career and everything. And the the, the drone side of it was, it used to be a hobby. Um, and it kind of started sort of about five years ago where I thought, got my first drone. Um, enjoyed doing it and kind of flying it around the beach and making sort of pretty videos and sort of chasing the kids around and, and getting kind of cool videos in slow motion of them kind of, you know, running along the beach and stuff like that. And then it, it just sort of within the job, um, it, it started to, to become more and more prominent and helpful as, as exactly the way you found that sort of, well, would you mind just sort of throwing that up there and, and, and having a look and, and, and sort of seeing what's up there? And obviously, with a, within a, a sort of a business, you know, you you can you can I don't know look out for what contractors are doing, or, or sort of make sure they're doing the right thing, or tell them to do the right thing. And you've got a bird's eye view and a, a close up view of something you would never really have um, from from any other way, really. So that that interest, those where those two sort of things met, really, the the interest in drones and then the sort of the work. Um, and yeah, during during lockdown, I think that's when sort of a lot of things changed in terms of sort of mindset i think i'm probably not alone here um in that people kind of realize that sort of maybe there's a little bit more to to things and i i, I hear lots of stories that people have just sort of said you know what i'm i'm done with that that life i want to i want to do something else and i think all that that home life and changes and it, it, it spurred people on to to jump into things and and to be honest with you i'm, I'm exactly the same really so are you still in that sort of um, excite, excited phase where you're still not sure what's going to happen? And obviously, you know, you have you've, you've been in property. Why, why did you choose property to start with? Um, that, to be honest, that was a complete accident. Um, I, I left university, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I think, you know, many, many careers are. You just kind of just sort of fall into something, really. Yeah. I left university with a marketing degree um and went into a role that really didn't suit um i found myself sort of without without anything one day and and, and sort of went and got a, a temporary role in a very small um managing agents firm property sort of lettings agents firm um and i did basically sort of one week of of debt collecting where i just had to phone people up and try and get money out of them simple as that really and that was that was all I had to do, and they just said, "Right, one week, just come in and just whatever you can do, just try and take payments over the phone, get as much money in as you can." And after a week, they said, "Oh, you're quite good at this. Do you want to stay a month?" <laughs> and then it sort of turned to kind of six months, and then it was sort of you know a little bit longer, and it was it sort of turned quite quickly to you seem to be able to do that. Do you want to look after these properties? We'll show you how. And it just kind of carried on from there, really. Um, so yeah, complete complete sort of accident. Um, just fell into something and just sort of stuck around and enjoyed it and enjoyed the challenge and carried on with it for sort of 12 or so years. 
But do you not think if you've if you've got a marketing background, you know, you understand lots of different nuances, whether it's the 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 looking after the clients or making sure that the products are right, and obviously setting up your own business now, you, you're going to be reliant on those skills to get yourself out and about, are you not? I am, and and if I'm honest with you, the the hardest thing I have found is is the kind of marketing side. Um, you know, my my degree was uh, what, sort of 13, 14 years ago, and and obviously sort of lots had changed. When I was doing my degree, it's kind of like Facebook had only just really sort of set up, um, and everything's kind of changed. And the, the principle is still the same, but if I'm honest, the the bit I find most difficult about what I'm doing now is where I pitch things, who I put them to, who I market them to. And when you're, I suppose, you know, two, two or three months in, you know, you are looking at every single bit of money you spend. So when someone sort of says, oh, it's just just 200 pounds to put this advert in this in this little local newspaper or something, it, it's like, well, 250 pounds, you know, that that's actually a it's a micro business on you know one person and that you have to really think about and consider what what is my best way to get to the right people not the most amount of people the, the right people and and get sort of in with them so yeah that's the bit i've i've really struggled most with mm. um, regardless of my degree really <laughs> I think we all learn as we go along. I did my degree over 30 years ago, and I can assure you marketing was probably a whole lot different than what you did just 12 years ago. So I'm sure we could contrast and compare in many different ways. But I had to laugh the other day because I had an email saying um, two words you should never use in marketing. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Took a quick peek. You should never use target audience. And I thought, well, there you go. 30 years of, you know, learning about target audiences. And we, we really have to sweep that away now. Anyway. 97.2 FM. Radio Revert. Instant attraction, property and um, boys' toys. Was it an instant attraction with drones? Oh, 100%. Had you played a, yeah. yeah. No, the, the, the drones was, it was actually kind of five years ago, a company um, bought out a, uh, a drone that was small. It was compact. You could fold it away. And it had all of this sort of kit on it that you know had sensors on it it could tell you exactly where it was if you if you flew it towards trees it would it would sense those trees and basically sort of stop itself and it, it was it was kind of one of the first real i'd say low level but it was still sort of over a thousand pounds but real low sort of level entry kind of wow this is a, this is a good bit of kit and it's for sort of you know youtube people use it and and um it's just so quick and easy just to sort of almost take out of your pocket and use and i i, I can't remember what happened i got like a, a tax rebate or something i got a sort of a, a, a tiny little bit of money and and i sort of convinced my wife that it would be a good idea for me to spend 1300 know, quid on on this drone just because look at it it's got sensors it's amazing it can fly around in circles and 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 sort of do all this stuff and and somehow i managed to convince her that it was a good idea and that was it really and just kind of took it everywhere and we went to other countries and sort of you know you fly it around kind of italy and and um, big mountain top kind of towns and stuff like that and get some amazing views and um probably a lot of places i probably shouldn't have flown it um but you know, it sort of it, 
it was just so interesting to sort of see that and how high you could get up and, and kind of look at, at all these sort of different things. So yeah, hundred percent the boys toys and it was just sort of great. And it was only, it was after sort of, I suppose, sort of three years of messing around with it. It was a little bit more a case of, I think I can, I think I might be able to make just a little bit of a, a side hustle. It's, it's just a, a little bit extra money. I could go off and sort of do this course, um, make sure I'm appropriately sort of qualified and and make a little bit of side money um and then that side money turned into well maybe i could actually just focus on that and, and that's it really i think this is it you know very often in business you talk about um you know focus or differentiation and if you've got the skills with um you know your uh, property background just spending a thousand pounds on a drone when you compare to probably how much you spend putting up scaffolding to get somebody to go and look at a roof, the labor involved, uh, the getting the parking permits to allow the right, you, you know, proper yeah. vehicles to come and sit where they need to sit. A thousand pounds really is, is not a lot, especially if you're using it over and over again. Now, obviously, I appreciate that drones can crash as well and you have to have spare parts and you have to, you know, perhaps do some soldering, etc. But in general terms, it must be a bit of a, a money saving. I mean, yeah, this is, this is it. This is, is, is sort of, you know, you've got to look at sort of all the reasonable, um, aspects of, of the health and safety side and, and sort of the limitations and, and drones, you know, they're not, they're not perfect. And, um, one of the ones I'm flying at the moment is very, very small. Um, and, and very, very, it can be sort of taken by the wind. Um, so it's not perfect. Um, but when you sort of compare it to, it's like another tool in, in a, in a, in an arsenal, I guess it's, it's sort of which one is, is appropriate to, to you, uh, scaffolding or cherry pickers, as you say, sort of, you know, there's loads of different issues with cherry pickers and you have to normally employ someone else to come and do it, you know, and you have to have two people there at all times. And if there's steps or something, you might not be able to get or, um, uh, a grass and the, the 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 thing sinks and and sort of you know there's there's loads of other sort of reasons why this can be better so yeah there, there isn't that much um ongoing cost with them as long as you sort of maintain them and you look after them and you don't do anything sort of silly you don't get cl too close to anyone but it, it has been helpful on a on a lot of cases um the leasehold management is um uh, has a certain bit of legislation within the landlord and tenant act that, that sort of tries to stop rogue uh, landlords or managing agents from charging leaseholders um, too much money. And on small buildings, uh, that that level is quite um, restrictive. So to get a, um, a scaffold or a cherry picker, it, it might actually sort of go over that level, um, which requires uh, pretty much a sort of a three-month process to of due diligence to prove that you are going out of your way to make sure that you're doing things in the best interests of asking someone put some scaffolding up and going to have a look you might have to go through that process and if there's if there's a leak it, it might it's really difficult to sort of say well we've got to go through this process now and it's going to take three months well if there's water coming into someone's property yeah so if someone's got a um, water coming through their room Proof and you sort of go and tell them that there might be a three-month um, legislative process to sort of go and get it sorted. You know that that doesn't help anyone. 
So it's a good start is to sort of get the drone in the air for a reasonable cost to, to everyone involved, just to have a look, sort of see what you're working with. And then if you see, for example, it's a, a slip tile or something, you can go back to a, a contractor and, and confidently sort of say, look, this is the problem. I've got decent photos. Give me a, a quote sort of based on that. And then you're maximizing the whether it's the scaffold, they might only have to put it up once. Um, or 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 sort of, you know, just the best use of time, really. And and so you know what's going on. I think a lot of people are uh are cynical and skeptical about some contractors, and you have to sort of know who you're you're dealing with and trust them. And without any sort of sight at all of something, you know, there is that that little bit of well. Do I trust these people? Maybe they're saying it's five tiles have slipped when it's only one or something like that. You know, it's um, but with that, you've got you've got more information to hand to be able to carry out the right thing, really. I mean, that sounds like a really good reason to use a drone. I mean, do you have issues with the the height of buildings in Brighton and Hove, for example, because we do have some seriously high buildings, don't we? And obviously, a lot of the converted buildings as well. Did they give you any particular issues? No. Um, the, the drones that I use, to be honest with you, their range is is absolutely fantastic. Um, so much so that you can, you know, one of them, I can, I can travel about three kilometers if I wanted to. That's the range. The, the battery life is about 30 minutes. Um, and it can go 30 odd mile an hour. So you can, you know, there's people <laughs> on the internet that sort of, you know, you can, you can carry on going up as, as, as far as it will go. There's a lot of legislation in place though. And, um, so the size of the buildings is not, is not anywhere near an issue really. Do you have to wear those funny, <sighs> that funny visor to see where your drone's going? No, no, I don't. I use um, that's a that's a first person view. That's a, a little bit more kind of technical. I have a, a little remote control, and then I put basically a phone or an iPad on it, so I can control it um, and I can see exactly where it's looking um, uh, and what it's looking at. Um, sort of see all the sort of stats and everything about what the drone's doing, how fast it's going, how long batteries and then i sort of flip between looking at the drone and looking at, at, at the screen and sort of keep on going sort of backwards and forwards basically to make sure everything's safe um and everything's sort of in the right place and i know what's around but one of, one of the main issues down on sort of on the south coast is is we get a lot of seagulls obviously yeah. um, <laughs> do you know i was just about to ask you do you ever have any encounters with our feathered friends at all Unfortunately, too many, too many. I think I've had a spate of jobs recently and it's um, the, about three or four and they've all been pretty much like on the coast, which is obviously where a lot of issues are because of the, the rain and sort of getting blasted by wind and stuff. But um, really is you've got to duck and dive and the seagulls try and sort of swoop on you and <laughs> and they poo on you and you have to kind of do you go out with, you get a swarm with a hard hat on of, there, a, a swarm of do you go yeah out with well a hat and, a, on? and a visor just a, yeah, a visor <laughs> and a hard hat just to make sure that you're going to get uh, um and it's it's yeah it's it's very you have to kind of maneuver and fly up and down and sort of almost hide hide in the sort of wake of the building and then sort of go up do what you need to do then move back down again and and, and keep on moving around, really. Um, it's not easy. 
Okay. So what do you love most about what you're doing now? I mean, you're, you're only, you're a new business, obviously, but has something really grabbed you now? You think, oh, I really love that and I'd like to develop that side. I think for me at the moment, it's the fact that I'm doing something new and doing something kind of interesting. Um, and instead of doing kind of uh, someone, I suppose, paying me 35 hours a, a, a week, I'm, you know, technically spending 35 hours a week just focusing on the thing that I want to focus on. It's not someone else paying me for, for stress and hassle. Um, it, it's 35 hours a week and it's like, you know, if I want to, if I want to do this or that, I can do. And for me at the moment, that, that's the key thing. I'm just I'm taking that time and, and having some, I mean, really sort of focusing on what I want to do and, and hopefully it'll kind of, you know, come off. Are you working on commercial and residential properties, Alex? Yes, I am. Yes. Um, I'm working with a, a lot of surveyors uh, and managing agents. Again, so that's obviously my my background is more sort of focused towards that. Um, but I've helped out a lot of people kind of, you know, sort of the smaller issues and kind of, you know, my, my chimney, I want to see what's what's going on with my chimney. So it's more sort of, you know, local on the on the street, but primarily my focus based on my my background is more towards sort of surveying firms and managing agents, because I understand what issues they go through. I know what the the things that they will face with leaseholders or resident management company directors and for budgeting and how difficult that scenario and those practices are. Um, I'm able to kind of make things a little bit easier for them, hopefully, and sort of say, don't worry, look, I've got this. This is what I can do. This is how it will help. Um, and this is what, you know, this is what can make your life easier. And I think that's all all managing agents want really is is an easy life and just sort of simplicity and people to do what they say they're going to do and, and get a good job done. So in essence, you're speaking the same language as them. You know, the, it's somebody who perhaps has got a drone and says, well, yes, I can fly my drone over and above. They won't necessarily think to ask the right questions, whereas you know which questions to ask, as you said, about budgets and costs and mm. when does the job have to be done by and making sure that you get all the information you can to pass on to the managing agents. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's really important that it's kind of, you know, you, you, you pay for a service overall and you pay for sort of people's experience and sort of what they what they know. Um, it, drones at the moment, you know, they are they are a lot more accessible, and, and anyone can go out and buy them. And but you know, you're not you're not just sort of paying for that. If you want one photo or something, then fine, you could you could find anyone to do that. Much like any any industry thing, you'll always find someone to do something kind of at a price you're you're willing to pay. But it, it's all of the other stuff that you sort of pay for. So yeah, uh, it's the sort of the experience and and. The, what else I can provide is, is sort of quite important. Okay. Now, I'm going to sound like a school teacher here. Um, do you remember when you first uh, left school and you decided to go to university? Maybe people were saying to you, now, where do you think you'll be in five years' time, Alex? Oh, if we sat I hate, I hate here now and awful. said, where do you think you'll be in five years' time? What would you like your business to look like? 
I, I really dislike this this, this question. I know they're I, terrible because life gets in the way, doesn't it? It, <laughs> it is. Um, I think the only sort of reasonable thing and sort of you know manifesting it forward is is I just hope to be hope to be happy, um, stable, and sort of comfortable in kind of what I'm doing really. And I think as a a rounded off, I think it's quite easy to make bold statements of um, high flying sort of considerations, but. I think it's just to be to be happy uh, and and stable and and enjoy what I'm doing. And if I can carry on doing that, then that's perfect. And of course, within five years, the technology is going to be getting even more precise, even more um, accessible, isn't it? So you know, we don't know what other features that the drones are going to have to enable you to provide an even better service than you're doing already. Indeed, and the sort of the service that I do provide is not at the moment. It, it's not um, kind of that technical. So you can get mapping programs, you can get thermal imaging, and all that sort of stuff. And it's quite sort of high end, and, and obviously, sort of people have to pay for that. And I, I'm happy to look at that. And again, going back to the five year question, I'd, I'd love to look at that. Uh, but I feel at the moment, it's sort of people want the more accessible they want they want the quick fixes and they want sort of you know they don't necessarily need the thermal imaging they just want to know why there's water coming into their building <laughs> Good so it, point. It's, it's it's like um i don't know almost like sort of low low level fruit low low hanging fruit perhaps it's kind of just you you deal with what what the, sort of the market is and, and solve the issues solve the problems um and as we get, as I get sort of bigger and hopefully sort of more successful with it, I might look at additional um, uh, bits to put on the drones, again, thermal imaging, et cetera, and to be able to branch out. But at the moment, the focus is just sort of helping people kind of get through the day for a reasonable price uh, and a good service. And actually, that's all a lot of people want, isn't it? You know, you're just providing what people want. I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, hope, I hope so, yeah. Radio Reverb. <laughs> Making music night and day. So just tell me a little bit the ethos of your company. You know, we all say, well, how did we get to be where we are? What is it that we want to provide? I mean, you've more or less answered that already. But when you were leaving the sort of the leasehold management part of it, the ethos of what you want to provide can you give me sort of it in a nutshell um i suppose taking uh the experience from leasehold management i think everything to do with leasehold management is based on fair and reasonable people get charged things and it has to be fair and reasonable and if they want they could take that to a, a tribunal a court and and sort of say that it isn't fair and reasonable. So I think I think that's that's the main point is to do a good job, sort out a problem, address an issue, uh, and be fair and reasonable while doing it. And hopefully, you know, I find it interesting, and other people find it interesting. They love coming along, and they love sort of seeing the drones. And um, I go to managing agents, and I can do sort of little sort of demos, and they ask so many questions, and they just they just kind of don't don't appreciate you know like how stable they are or or kind of how good the camera is and 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 that kind of stuff and it, i'd love to show people that and if they're engaged and if they want to see it um that they're so interested and and again with that it's sort of it's just nice to sort of be with people who are interested um and and like-minded again sort of property property professionals 
um, and helping them out because again, I know what their what their role is and and the problems with their role. I, I find them quite cute. The tiny drones. It's like having a little sort of um, budgerigar in your hand. Sometimes they're they're just so cute and quaint. And I look at them and I think, how on earth can you get images like that from a tiny little drone? That, as you say, a little bit of wind and it gets whipped away. Yeah. I think I think they're fascinating. Um, but when you did your course, what sort of things did that take you through to learn um, how to use drones? To learn how to use drones. So sort of previously the, the legislation has changed recently but, but previously you had to abide by the civil aviation authority um, and a lot of their technical data and technical sort of legislation which was focused on all different types of of aircraft you know sort of obviously boeing's helicopters and, and so it's such a, a wide range so um, we carried out uh, three days of classroom study about how to read maps, um, the, the appropriate air navigation orders and all sort of the legislation, how to do things safely, uh, down to sort of what would hold you back, what ice was, um, whether you should be drinking before or what happens if you've had a night out the, uh, before or anything like that. Um, anything that would hamper hamper the the flight, and again, that sort of stuff is probably more appropriate if you're responsible for a, a Cessna or a Boeing or something. Um, but it it applied to to the drones as well. Um, and then in addition to that, I had it carried out a a flight test. So I sort of went into a field and I had to prove that I could control the drone and make sure I could sort of maneuver it safely. And what happens if something goes wrong? Um, so what happens if there's a, a bird strike or what happens if a helicopter comes sort of quite close to you and, and sort of what you do and all those sort of procedures. Um, and then there was a, a, a basically a hundred page sort of document that I had to send off. I had to fill out all of these details, right? Like a risk assessment, like a method statement to sort of say, this is how I intend to act during my sort of day activities. Um, and that was called a, a, a PFCO, a permission for um, a commercial operation. And you had to go through all of these and pay them a considerable amount of money for the, for the training. And then the Civil Aviation Authority basically sort of said, yes, it, it's appropriate for you to do this. You've proved. And now we'll give you this, this sort of formal permission. Um, and that, again, it, that's from the Civil Aviation Authority. It's not just, it's, it's sort of, it's the, not the local council, it, is exactly, it? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sort of it's the people that control you know, Gatwick and Heathrow. It's 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 sort of everything. And like I said, the legislation has has changed recently, and that's allowed things to sort of open up a little bit. Um, and the the drone I use primarily at the moment is, is again very small. But you mentioned about the camera. I suppose you because you, you've got obviously phones that are. The, the drone I've got is about the same size as my phone. Um, and the cameras in those phones are, are obviously sort of very good. Um, and it's the same. It's, it's the same sort of camera. It's a little bit better. Um, and, it, and it flies. Um, so it's, uh, but it's amazing that they can take video and stills at the same time, isn't it, more yeah, or less? Yeah. If you had to send a videographer and, and a photographer up on the roof, you know, here's this little drone, as you say, the size of your mobile phone, able to climb, what, 30, 40, 50 feet and just take a couple of couple of images for you. And it's back down on the ground before you can say, 
drone images. Yeah, it is. It is. It and is. again, it's it does that. It's sort of, you know, if you look at a chimney, you can get a sort of a 360 view of that chimney sort of just flying around it in a circle, taking photo, 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 photo all the way around. Um, and again, with a, with a with a scaffold or a cherry picker, you know, they're, they're restrictive. You know, you go up at one point and that's the point where you want to get to. If you needed to go over the other side of the building, you have to take it down and put it back up. So it's it's that drone, yeah. It can just go up and down and and sort of wherever you need it to go quickly, efficiently, and safely. So let's just imagine, um, let's imagine, Alex, that I've got an issue with. Um, I'm not sure whether it's a roof tile or maybe it's a gutter that's come loose. And I call you in and I say to you, um, Alex, I want to know what the problem's all about. Just tell me how that would work from start to finish. So from start to finish, you'd ask me sort of um, that you want me to come and have a look. Uh, I'd ask for sort of the, the location, a postcode. And essentially, I would go onto the internet. I would find out exactly where that postcode was. And I'd do, in the first instance, I'd do a, a couple of checks. For example, if the property was in Crawley, I would probably have to go through a lot more uh, risk assessments to make sure I was doing stuff safely because to the, the proximity of, of Gatwick Airport. So I have to make sure I know where it is. Um, if it was in uh, perhaps near Lewis, there's a prison there and they sort of they have the restricted areas. So I have to look at the, the, the specific airspace around that property always just to make sure it is actually safe and it isn't a no-fly zone or it isn't in the path of a, a, a runway um, or anything like that or a local glider club or something. So that's that's the first point, just to make sure, is this safe for me to fly in this area? Um, then I would go and check a, a, another website called NOTAMS to make sure um, if there was anything sort of in the area on that day. For example, um, when you go down to Eastbourne, if there is a, the red arrows flying past at a certain time, NOTAMS lets you know that. And it sort of says what, what is in that airspace on that day that, that I sort of want to, want to go and fly. So assuming all those things are okay, um, I would give the client a, a risk assessment and a method statement. So I would sort of say that I've looked at certain things, how I would carry things out, what height I would go to, what happens as of any risk assessment, I assess the risk and make sure, well, is there going to be lots of um, pigeons and bird flights? Is it sort of right near, is it right near a school? Will there be privacy issues? Uh, is it near a, a, a jail? Um, you know, will I get in, in trouble with the police? Is looking at all of those things to make sure I can carry out that inspection safely and not endanger any other property or any other person. Well, you've already described what presumably isn't just a five-minute job either. You know, you're having to do your research before you even go on site. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all sort of stuff that you know, you how we were taught in the um, the PFCO course is sort of you know what would you want to say if you were sort of standing in front of a judge, and and that's exactly the same as in leasehold management is sort of you know you you do things as if you cover your your behind, you cover your back to make sure if if something happened and I was standing in front of a judge, I could say that I did A, B, C, D, and I checked X, Y, and Z, and you know sometimes some things just happen. Um, so it's important to kind of prepare. That's sort of normally the, the, the biggest aspect of it is to pre prepare and make sure you're doing the right thing and you can do it safely.
so then from there, uh, yeah, kind of show up on the day. Um, sometimes there are restrictions with with weather. Um, we've had a couple of storms over the past couple of couple of nights. The drones are very good, but you know they they can be hampered with the wind, um, and obviously sort of rain. They don't, as with all electricals, they don't particularly like rain. Carry out the images, get images, get photos, depending on what the client wants. Um, take nice sweeping video, uh, high resolution video, or whether it's sort of targeted to a more um, uh, surveyor's role of, I don't know, a dilapidation report. Um, so they want to know sort of, you know, specific conditions um, and what condition the, the roof or the mortar or um, the render is or, you know, things like that. And yeah, getting them sort of exactly what they need and sort of answering their their brief. So that's important as well. When you speak to the client is finding out the what they're after. Do they want pretty aesthetic shots or do they want functional? I did a one roof and you know, I took 150 photos of a roof and it's, you know, almost sort of meter by meter, <laughs> hundreds of photos. And it, it's sort of for anyone else, it would just be thoroughly, thoroughly boring oh. of just sort of like uh, tiles, 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 you know, um, so it obviously sort of depends on what they want. And that's it. And and hopefully they're they're happy and uh, and I get paid for the job. <laughs> job well done. So presumably after all this, you put like a report together, send it off, and then if the client wants additional information, he or she might come back and say, Well, I want this extra work done as well. And you would go back and carry that out, presumably, yes? Yes, again, again, purely dependent on what what they're after and what their sort of specification was mm. and what they were sort of what they needed really. But um, I mean, I suppose this is the same as in anything to do with property. The brief is all important, isn't it? I mean, if you say to somebody uh, or a landlord says to us, um, "I want the front of my building painted." You know, that could be interpreted in so many different ways. Do do they yes. mean they want the walls painted? Do they want the window sills painted, the window frames painted, the gutters painted? Mm -hmm. And yep. I think this is where the devil is always in the detail to make sure that you get the client brief, although I suppose the brief can go into many, many pages, just to make sure that you're getting exactly what the client wants. And I don't suppose they always know exactly what they want either, because if they're not briefed in property, they don't necessarily know what it is they need to know. Yeah, and I think it's it's all to do with, I suppose, what where they're coming from and, and what they're after, how experienced they are. And again, that's where my experience comes in is sort of, uh, you know, I lead them to that and sort of say, well, look, this this is basically what I, what I think I can get you. Um, again, for example, a surveyor, might want something different to a resident management company director. Um, you know, a surveyor wouldn't necessarily want me to draw up a, a report to sort of say what I've found because he just wants to see the photos because he's qualified, you know, fantastically qualified um, to make his own judgment based on those photos. But uh, a resident management company director is he's asking me for my professional opinion. So I would do him a report and I would try and answer and sort of say, look, in my experience, this is this is where you've got issues. This is what you've got to look at. And again, with, with leasehold management, you know, there's different parts of buildings that are sort of other people's responsibilities. 
whether they're the freeholder's responsibility or whether they're the leaseholder's responsibility. So there's always kind of like a, look, thankfully, that's not necessarily my problem um, unless I'm sort of asked to advise on it. But it's sort of, you know, the roof might be different to who's responsible for painting the window sills, you know. So, yes, it is. It's all in the brief and all exactly sort of uh, I'll give as much information and advice as I as I sort of think I can, really. I mean, obviously, this is all fairly new technology, although I believe, I think we said earlier, drones have been around since 1935. And, you know, beforehand, um, they used to be very often for uh, used in um, in wars and trying to find enemy, etc. But when you think now of all the reasons for using a drone, uh, research and development, for example, you know, even parcel delivery they've been talking about, um, locating victims of catastrophes. When you think about, well, even David Attenborough, I think, when we watched his program on Sunday evening, he must have been using drones to film some of those animals. They were just incredible uh, photos. So when it comes to drones being mainstream in the property industry, how far do you think we are away from that at the moment? I think most most companies are familiar with it in one way or another. Um, my feedback so far with working with a number of surveyors are that they weren't aware of the legislation change um, that's happened quite recently, and this this sort of opens a lot of things up. It sort of it loosened the reins a little bit um, and allowed the smaller drones, which are getting so much better. Again, they can they can sort of do so much more and in built up areas but the bigger drones you get it's sort of you know you still are are sort of restricted on where you can fly those and sort of because they're 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 huge you know they're they're absolutely massive and if they hit a building or god forbid a person you know they would cause a a, a lot of damage so i think i think a lot of people know about them but perhaps just don't utilize them or don't necessarily understand the benefits that they can provide so again, from my feedback of of sort of being with managing agents, they're sort of they're like, oh, I don't, I don't think we need one. And then when you explain sort of how it can help and how what you could sort of do with it, they go, oh yeah, actually that would be really helpful with you know budgeting on that block. And there's been a leak up there, and we haven't been able to find it. You know, it, it sort of lots of people start to kind of uh, uh, the cogs kind of rotate, and they actually know that that might be useful. Um, so it's 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 yeah it's, it's sort of it's getting there and it just sort of takes more time and you have to you have to use it and then you sort of see the benefits of it. I conferred with our furry friend. Radio um, if you've just tuned in, I'm Heather Hilda Darling on Let's Talk Property, talking to Alex O'Connor of Sussex Drone Surveys. Now, you can listen again to the program by going on to my podcast. And obviously, at the end of the program, um, I will ask Alex how people can get in touch with him if they're interested in finding out more about his surveying services. But anyway, Alex, it's fascinating. And I've still got lots of questions to ask you. So, um Obviously, you weren't that affected in itself by the lockdown, but presumably during the lockdown, you had time to think about all the different services you could provide with your, you know, one man and a drone, I suppose, really. Is that still, do you still find that because 
clients are asking questions, it sends you off on another tangent? Or are you, as you're going along day by day in all the jobs that you do thinking, ah, oh, there's another specialist service that I can offer? I think the the fact that kind of I'm doing this sort of on my own and I'm sort of a, a sold trader and, and starting up, I think it means that you can pivot, you know, quite, quite quickly and quite easily. Um, and having, I suppose, access and talking to managing agents and surveyors, you know, you're always listening to people, sort of hearing what they're doing, and you're involved in sort of sometimes bigger projects. Um, so you can work quite quickly saying, okay, that, that's a good idea. You know, I need to, even down to what you, what you say in, in sort of presentations, you learn, always learn from the last presentation of if someone asks you a question, well, then you take it into the next presentation and, and you sort of answer it or they've, the next people have asked it. So, I, and I think that's sort of, you know, what I'm, what I'm finding and what I'm really interested in is, is sort of, you know, companies, even small companies, they're big, they've got hierarchies. You can't just sort of go in and just start sort of necessarily changing changing things quite so easily but having that freedom to be able to do that and learn on your own um and sort of develop it how how you want to and that was really kind of the the emphasis for sort of doing this it was to have a little bit more control um and yeah take take the, the daily life so i suppose on a scale of naught to ten naught being low and ten being high uh, i think What's the learning curve average at the moment? Sorry, can you repeat that question? It yes, of course out I can. Then. Sorry. <laughs> so if we think about the learning curve, you're new to the business. It's a business that you've just set up. You're obviously learning lots and lots on a day-by-day -day basis. So if, if naught was low and 10 was high, where are you on the learning curve at the <laughs> moment? Oh, I don't know. I think probably a sort of a, a six or seven. I think I've got some. Uh, I managed to get sort of all the all the websites and sort of setting up emails um, and sort of you know servers and and how I was going to sort of structure it. That it, it was difficult and took a long time, but I've had some experience in that before, and I, I sort of kind of knew what I was doing. But it's it's. Uh, you know, even down to sort of when you create a website and you have to write copy and just to fill the website, just to write kind of, I don't know, 500 words. It's, I found it immensely difficult. Um, I mean, how it, many times can you work, use the word drone as a keyword in your exactly, content? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's kind of, oh, I'm, just, I'm just saying the same thing over. It's like <laughs> I'm saying, repeating the same sentence over and over again, basically. Um, so that sort of side of things, the, the bit that I, again, I really sort of struggled, I suppose, is, is kind of setting up kind of actual companies and sort of companies house and whether I'm doing the right thing. And then later down the line, sort of, you know, tax and all of that, I think is going to be, that's going to be a sort of a, a steep learning curve bit for me. But at the moment, I feel relatively kind of stable and it's, it's just constantly sort of saying to myself every day, sort of like, well, it's, it's better than sitting in a, in an office and, and, um, sort of working for someone else. No, I, I agree. And um, I suppose that's the biggest thing, really, isn't it? When you go from being um, an employee to becoming self-employed, the changes are so vast and suddenly you feel that responsibility, not only to yourself, but you've got a young family and, you know, making sure that you're bringing home the bacon every day. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, huge responsibility. 
It is. And, and there was, you know, it takes a lot of, of planning to make sure that you're um, kind of, you know, appropriately, sort of, you've got a, a barrier and you've sort of addressed that risk. You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? How long could you sort of last without that sort of monthly monthly paycheck with mortgages and, and yeah, you know, two, two young kids, etc.? So yeah, it, it was a, a bit of a jump, and you've got to make sure that, that all of those aspects, yeah, are covered. I guess. So, are you doing a reality check every day of the week? Every day, every day, every day. Every day. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> you know, I, I used to I used to drive for like three hours, three hours a day. I used to leave home at kind of seven o'clock um, in the morning and get home at kind of six, six, six fifteen, six thirty. And and to some people that that won't won't be a really long day, but you know, traveling forty miles from South Coast up to sort of South London every single day, um, and dealing with that, and the, the, what the lockdown did, I think, was sort of it gave me a lot of hours back, and it sort of I started doing other things. I wasn't I wasn't so grumpy. I didn't sort of when I used to get home at six thirty, and you have to put the kids to bed instantly. And they're already, you know, they're happy to see you and they're lively and they're screaming and shouting and jumping all over you. And really, you know, in cold, um, in the winter months, when it's very dark and you, you've just sort of driven, you know, all that way every single night. It, it really was, it, it can be a, a quite a struggle. And that was sort of, the, the again, you, you look at your what you're doing and think, Do you know what, if I just, I got those three, three hours back a day, <laughs> a lot. you know, what what could I do? And sort of, you know, I started reading more and cooking and all of that kind of stuff and, and sort of spending more time with the kids and better time with the kids. And again, that was sort of part of the part of the decision to do that. So um I'd like to ask you now, obviously you've set up your own business. I suppose you're a first generation business. <laughs> Would you like your children to follow in your footsteps? I think so. And my dad, my dad started up a business a long time ago and kind of, he's always sort of pushed the, the, the ethic of sort of, you know, you don't, don't always need to work for someone else. Um, I felt I kind of needed to. And again, as I said, this is sort of, I think the right time for me to, to me to do it. And every, everyone's different. I think if they've got something and they can enjoy it, I think you've got to obviously find a market though. And whatever that market is, you've got to be able to find something that you can provide a, a service um, and be able to sort of fundamentally, I suppose, make a living, make something out of it. And, and so, yeah, I would like them to do it. And again, it gives them control, but it'll just be down to them of when is the appropriate time for them to do that. And that that might be sooner or might be, you know, might be kind of years to come. It's, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know, 30, 38. So, um, I'm kind of, I suppose, midway. Um, I don't think I would have done it sooner. I wouldn't have been ready to do it sooner. Um, but a lot of people I know, and I've worked with a lot of contractors, builders, plumbers, all that kind of stuff, you know, they do it when they're sort of 17, 18, 19. Um, and that's right for them. And it's brilliant. So just to sort of, just before we start closing, um, just explain a little bit the emotional distress of running your own business um or are you still in those early stages where it's still lots of fun lots of learning you've already alluded to the fact that you know you are enjoying what you're doing would you say that the emotional stress curves go up and down and up and down as each day comes and goes or is it flatter at the moment it's flatter and i think that's due to sort of you know preparation making sure i knew what was coming um, not sort of a worst case scenario, but just sort of being sort of prepared for that. 
So for me personally, um, um, I'm getting a lot done. It's going really well. It could always be better, but there's nothing sort of, I suppose, massively, uh, massively kind of no massive lows for me at the moment. So I'm, I'm really pleased. So again, maybe, maybe that is, maybe I'm deluding myself and that is kind of complete honeymoon, honeymoon, um, <laughs> phase. Um, and the winter is going to give me a, a, a bite in the bum. I don't know. But, oh, uh, no, you've um, got to enjoy what you're doing. Exactly. You really yeah. do. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So here's my closing bit, um, Alex. Imagine that tomorrow planned preventative maintenance becomes a government requirement on all commercial and residential properties. To show evidence, a certificate of regulated checks is required to be lodged with a professional body, along with photographs or video, actually, because they're very easy to um, to read. What would your top three recommendations be to encourage people like pension funds, landlords, tenants, managing agents to see the sense of such a move, bearing in mind what you're doing at the moment. Well, I think I think a lot of that is actually kind of currently sort of happening and going through the the, the motions, isn't it? The, you get fire safety, fire safety orders, fire safety bills, and they're sort of really kind of uh, bringing that up to make sure that that happens in terms of fire doors for leasehold properties, um, cladding, etc. And sort of those things are sort of heightening. But I suppose it, it's never to um, to do the least possible, I think, for, for landlords and, and pension funds and, and freeholders and leaseholders and resident management companies, it's, it's very easy to do the, the sort of the bare minimum to get you through something. And I don't think that should be the case anymore. And I think that's kind of a wholesale across the whole industry that it shouldn't always be the cheapest. It shouldn't always be the bare minimum just to sort of tick a box. It, it should, everything should be considered. Um, there are, there are sort of bits in place about kind of making sure that you have adequate checks on, um, you know, large staircases and sort of big structures of buildings. And I, uh, frankly, I don't think that's kind of done, done enough. And that would also sort of help me out that, you know, if that kind of came into play, then, um, it would provide hopefully suitable sort of business for me. But, um, I think that's, that's the key point is just to never, just don't, don't do the bare minimum. I think that, especially the leasehold property sector has, has, has really sort of struggled with it. Um, uh, a lot of people over the years not necessarily doing as much as they could. Um, and now it's coming back to sort of haunt us. So I think it's... Well, That's I suppose all the time we're having to show responsibility, accountability, um, and, you know, obviously all the HHSRS stuff thrown in just for good measure. It makes absolute sense what you're doing now. And I wish you the best of luck with your business. It sounds Thank you. fascinating. Maybe Thank I'm going to have much. to get my son to show me how to fly one of these things. But um, to finish off, Alex, if anybody wants to contact you, where can they find you, your website, any social media, email addresses? Just throw it all at me now. Um, so uh, sussexdronesurveys.co.uk is the website. Um, my email address is just alex at sussexdronesurveys.co.uk. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, it's Alex O'Connor uh, and uh, Instagram of um, sussex underscore drone underscore surveys. 
bit of a mouthful that one so i hope, I hope kind of people can can kind of find it yeah so give me a call even if you just sort of want to discuss and sort of talk through even if you're not sure if it would be appropriate um we can just sort of see where you are and what you're needed and it's just an honest approach to sort of say you know i think you're better off with someone else or or yes i can help you we can we can just sort of talk it through Alex, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. It's been fabulous listening to, you know, everything that you do. And I really, really wish you the best in your new business. It's, it sounds wonderful. Thank you. That's really great. Thank you for having me. Okay, you're welcome. So this is Heather Hilda Darling of Let's Talk Property on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM and DAB. Thank you for joining me. It's a house thing. It's a house thing.